It's good to know why, isn't it? It's good to know why. Uh, if you would open your Bible, how many of y'all brought a Bible? Amen. How many of y'all looked to your book this week? Amen. I pray that you've uh, continued uh, reading on a regular basis, and if you haven't started that, do it. It is so good, and it's such a, uh, a, a, a strengthening thing for you for your daily life is to be in God's Word and, and to be attached to Him. We, it is so common and easy for us as Americans to detach ourselves from what we really need and to focus on all the things we don't really need. And so uh, I encourage you to be in your word. Uh, This morning we're going to open with a new series, Church Membership by the Book. Um, There was a story, there's a story about a man who uh, was coming out of church one day, and as pastors and preachers do, uh, the preacher was standing at the door, and and he was always there ready to shake hands. And, And as this man came... The pastor shook his hand and pulled him aside and said, Hey, man, we need to get you into the army of God. And the man replied, Well, preacher, I'm already in the army of God. And the preacher quickly replied, Well, why do I only see you at Christmas and Easter then? And that guy knelt real close and real quietly said, Well, pastor, I'm in the secret service. kind of a humorous response, but it helps set the tone for uh, our message this morning, that, that church uh, membership matters. Membership in the local church is important, and I'm blessed to be part of a church whose most and all, maybe all of its members understand this, but it's so important it bears repeating how and how we conduct ourselves as members and what kind of attitudes we grow in our life as members of the church. How many of y'all have ever driven a car that was missing parts? Anybody here driven a car that was missing a steering wheel? I haven't either. Uh, my, My little 67 Volkswagen Beetle that I sold a couple of years ago didn't have many non-essential parts. Pretty much every part of it was essential, except for maybe the passenger seat. And if there was a part that wasn't working, the thing was shut down. And so my message this morning, this first message of this series, is called Be Functional. We find our text in our text, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to begin reading. We're just going to read a, a few verses, starting at verse 14. Of course, this is Paul writing to a church, a church that had lots of problems, a church that looks like a lot of American churches, I think. Um, but he's writing instructions for this church. And this particular passage, uh, a few chapters here, 12 through 14, are really about the church. 11 through 14, excuse me. Verse 14, he says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. 
And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. Let's pray. Lord, we have uh, prayed several times in this service already. But Lord, we come to you in prayer and we bathe these services with prayer because we understand that praying yields results because you listen. And you're a God who is not just a a statue in a corner of some lonely shrine. You are God Almighty and you fill the universe. You are the God of all power. You are the God of, of forgiveness. You are the God of judgment. And you are a God we need to give our attention to. So God, I pray you would use me. Lord, help Darren to get out of this message and help you to shine in this. Lord, help us to grow in your way. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, The first point of my message this morning is that all members are all necessary parts of the whole. I'm going to repeat that because there's members in our church this morning. I'm one. I have some over here in my part of my household, but they're... There's members, anyone who's been joined this church by letter or been baptized in this baptistry back here, you're a member of this church and all members are all necessary parts of the whole. We're many members. Uh, This passage we just read in 14 through 20, Paul uses a pretty clear example, something we all have on hand, a body. To, uh, as an example of the diversity of members a church can have, but that all of those members are part of the body. And each part uh, uh, matters. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. Now, how could we apply this to the here and now? How was Paul trying to apply this here, uh, there, and then? He was talking to a church. He was talking to a church that had a pastor and had, had deacons and had uh, teachers and had people who were in, in roles of leadership. And then they had uh, people who maybe did less uh, uh, flashy jobs than others. Were those people not part of the church? No. The church is not the few. The church is not the one. I'm not Northwest Baptist Church. I'm just a little part. Every member is a necessary part of the whole. Verse 27 in the same chapter, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Uh, Paul, is when he's addressing this to the church, he's not addressing it to a select few within the church. He's talking to the church at large. And so if you're here this morning and you're a member of this church, you are a necessary part here. Every person that has joined our church, whether 40 years ago or four months ago, are all members, and each of you, our members, are important and necessary to this church. Necessary, not just many members, we're necessary members. Each member is essential uh, during the COVID pandemic, a time we're all trying to forget and hope it doesn't return. Uh, we, are, we were introduced to the concept of essential and non-essential workers. You remember that? There were, there were people, uh, many, maybe most people were, were set, uh, set to stay home because they were non-essential. And then there were people like nurses, like Brother uh, uh, William Hale back there, and, and, 
and police officers and fire officers and or fire, firemen and, and uh, people who did traffic work and things, they were considered essential workers. They had to be at work. Well, can I just share with you this morning that every single member of a church body is an essential worker? There are no non-essential members. There, there are no non-essential members. The, the view that there are non-essential mem- members is unbiblical. And this passage, this uh, chapter, really actually kind of deals with it. It happens kind of two ways. There's people who belittle themselves. And if you, read, uh, if, you, if you read with me from verse 15 through verse 20, he's asking these rhetorical questions in this, uh, in this, within this illustration of the body. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. What, what, the, what he's saying the foot is doing there is belittling their own role in the, in the whole of the body. And there's people who do this. In fact, I would say most of us, or maybe all of us, have done this at some point in our time as a church member. We've, we've seen others. We, we look, we, uh, you know, especially when we're new Christians, we, we look up to people who have uh, had an impact on our life, who have uh, blessed us and poured themselves into us, who have discipled us. And we look up to them and we go, man, I could never be like that. And, and so I'll just, I'll just come to church and, and, and I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll give and... And uh, I'll, I'll sit, and, but every time there's an opportunity for you to serve, uh, we tell ourselves, but I, I don't think I can do that. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good enough to be that essential. And we belittle ourselves. That's what Paul is describing. He's describing members who are belittling their own role as essential members of the whole body. Or if we were to read on through 21, through, uh, in verse 21 through 25, uh, verse 21 kind of says it all. And, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble. What does he say about them? He says they are necessary. Amen. And those members of the body which we, uh, which we think to be less honorable... Upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, uh, having given, uh, excuse me, yeah, that's right, having given more abundant honor to the part that lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. He's saying, listen, uh, not only are members themselves supposed to keep themselves from belittling themselves in their own role in a church, but the other way this happens is people who think they are higher up will belittle others and push them away. That's wrong. I, I, if I ever do this, then I'm wrong. If I ever say, we don't, we don't really need you, I'm wrong. And if it comes across that way, please ask me what I mean, because I will probably fall all over myself trying to explain. Uh, maybe I was trying to say something different. I've never yet told, uh, as far as I can recall, I don't think I've ever told anybody, no, we don't, we don't need you here. This church needs every member it has. In fact, uh, in that same passage we just read, in verse 24, it said, God hath put this body together. So every single one of you who have joined this church by letter from baptism of another church or been baptized into our church, 
every single one of you, God has put you in this church. And you are not only a, a member, you are an essential, necessary member of this church. So important that we get this. Every member is necessary. Just like driving a car with missing parts. I, I, um, I saw a race, a video of a race where a guy was driving his race car and the this, this steering wheel came off. That's kind of scary, isn't it? He had enough presence of mind to go, put it back on. It just went back on. And he continued the race. Do you know, without the steering wheel, that, that thing's going to go out of control. And, and it's easy for us to belittle even small parts. Uh, steering wheel is a pretty important part of a car. Uh, my heart is an incredibly important part of my physical body. But every little tiny part of my body is essential to the whole. Uh, we've had members in our, in our congregation here lately that have been struggling with uh, bouts of vertigo. I was talking to Brother Lester about this, uh, or he was telling me about it uh, earlier this week, I believe, and, and he was describing how that happens. He, uh, they, they'd gone and seen an a, a ENT, and, and um, uh, that, that doctor had described what happens. they got these three little bones inside uh, the ear that are just these tiny little things you wouldn't even know are there. And, and inside of them, and if I, if I uh, describe this wrong, well, then you can tell me how wrong I was later. But uh, inside of each of them is, is like a little crystal. And if that crystal, and there's fluid in there, but if one of those crystals, the tiny little crystals gets out of place, then your entire equilibrium is totally thrown off, and you're as sick as you can be. You're, it is so essential that that little crystal be right where it belongs that if it isn't there, you can hardly function as a person. Your body will, will, it, it will, it will completely revolt against you. <laughs> Every member is essential. Every member is necessary. And, and we see also in this text that all members contribute to the whole. We'll talk... Uh, more about this uh, later, but I, I want us to look at Ephesians 4 just for a second, and this is another rich passage um, about membership that uh, you might read this chapter again. Ephesians chapter 4, but we're just going to read the, uh, a, a handful of verses, in verse, starting in verse 11. Paul, writing to another church, the church at Ephesus, of course, he said, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the, of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of God, of Christ, excuse me, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of hand and cunning craftiness whereby we li they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that, that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying or the growth of itself in love. Paul is reminding the church at Ephesus that yes, God has given them pastors and he's given them teachers and their role is to equip 
the rest of the membership to carry out the work of ministry. That's what the role of a pastor and teacher are. Uh, that's what the, uh, like Brother Eric, who, who's a wonderful Sunday school teacher and, and, and pours himself into these lessons and, and makes sure that he does a good job of trying to, uh, to, to rightly divide God's word and present something that is edifying and helps us to grow in our knowledge of God's word. This, the same thing that causes me to spend so much time in God's word and in prayer and trying to prepare and, and plan these messages the effort is not just so I can look cool in front of you. Although I think I look pretty cool sometimes. Joking. The effort is so that we'll all be equipped to do the mission that we're all supposed to do. That doesn't mean that I'm not supposed to share the gospel with others. That doesn't mean I'm, 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 uh, uh, I've been... Um, um, Oh, goodness, that responsibility has been dropped from my role. No, my role is to do everything that the church is supposed to do, which is to share the gospel, to live it out in front of other people, and and to try to reach people with the gospel. But also, our job is to try to equip so that everybody is part of that whole mission. It's incredibly important. Uh, Paul Paul is, is, is directing them towards that work of ministry. And the work of ministry is primarily the call to make disciples. He emphasizes this reality that each member in the body, they work together properly. And, and the result then is very clear. It's what he, in verse 16, he says, uh, 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 fitly joined together and compacted by which every joint supplies according to the effectual working and the measure of every party saying, hey, hey uh, uh, th- this body is put together in such a way that together they work together and, and they produce making increase of the body unto the growth of itself in love. The result is, is that the body of Christ grows. The church grows. Spiritually, they grow. And sometimes numerically, they grow. But the goal is that we're all working together in the, in the see, and seeking the growth of our church and the making of disciples. It's easy to, to look to specific programs, uh, uh, great ministries like master clubs. Or, or uh, I remember when I was a teenager, evangelism explosion was really big. I don't know if it's still a, a thing now or not. Or, or, or we look to amazing worship services. And there's churches that do this, and they do it really well. They'll make these, I mean, amazing worship experiences. And, and, and uh, it will just pull your emotion into the, uh, into the, uh, the worship service. And, and we look, it's easy for us to look to those specific things as things that will grow a church. But the passage, this passage particularly reveals that clear growth is due to the body and the work of the body of making disciples. It has less to do with, uh, with what we can offer as a church to our community, like a consumeristic worldview, and more to do with whether we are functioning as the body of Christ. Amen. We're to be functional all, with all members doing their part. There's uh, the first point, all members are all necessary parts of the whole. My second point, members are different though, but are still made to work together. 
Uh, I, I, could, I could dive in deep into uh, chapter 12, especially the first uh, uh, several verses, and Paul is dealing with a problem within the church of Corinth where they had jealousy over spiritual gifts. Uh, some people uh, uh, in, in the middle of their services or maybe in their gathering, some people would stand up and speak in tongues, and then other people would stand up and start teaching while somebody else is teaching, and it was creating chaos. And the, the whole driver behind it was this jealousy over uh, uh, wanting to have uh, more prominence before everybody in the body, or, or jealousy over these gifts. And, and, and uh, what, what really needed to happen is they needed to realize that everybody's different, and it's okay. A diversity is a beautiful thing in a church. What Paul was trying to convey is that every member is unique. Every member is also meant to work together with the whole in unity. Uh, again, the body illustration comes into play. It's clear that God has put the human body together to work as a whole. But each part must contribute to the whole, or guess what? The whole suffers. Uh, how many of you have stubbed your toe this week? I praise the Lord, I didn't do it this week. Uh, uh, Melissa and I, um, when we lived in Texas City, um, we needed a new bed. We just had an old frame, and uh, I decided, we had a friend in our church who's passed during COVID. We had a friend who was a wonderful furniture maker as a hobby. It was his hobby, and he just loved to do it. And if you asked him to help you do it, he'd say, yeah, come over to my shop, and we'll build it together. Just bring the lumber, or we'll go help you pick it up. And, and um, James, James Huey, a wonderful man, and uh, James helped me build uh, the bed that is in our bedroom. And, and uh, I spent uh, many hours on that, and it has on each corner a post, for a big four-inch post that him and I actually laminated together out of one-by-fours. And and, uh, you know, I love the way it looks. It's beautiful. But when I stub my toe on that post, man, it's like I, you know, broke something off that I needed. It hurts. I can't tell you how many times I've broken a toenail or just really jammed my toe real bad. And guess what you do after that? You suffer. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Man. What? I, I, that bed, why did I build it that way? I should have put the feet underneath it. Uh, so I wouldn't stub my toes. Listen, when you stub your toe, when, when something is not operating the way it's supposed to, the whole suffers. Verse 26, uh, this First uh, Corinthians 12. He says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular, we're, in, we're essential, each of us, each of you. If we were to go back to Ephesians 4.16 and look at that, that last verse uh, that we read, of that passage again, it says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. Paul is using, using very descriptive language. Fitly joined describes parts that fit together. Uh, uh, how many of y'all have ever had a, a, a joint replacement? My mother had both of her knees replaced uh, early this year. And um, uh, joints are kind of, well, you kind of need your knee to work the way it's supposed to, or you're gonna, the whole body's going to suffer, right? But it's, 
God has designed that joint in a specific way to operate a specific way. And there's, I mean, I'm not any kind of like, I did pass my anatomy class in college, but I'm not any kind of great crack at this. But I, as I understand it, there's a, there's a socket, right? And, and then there's two little bones that come up and they, they form a, 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 a ball, okay? And then they, they fit together and they're both smooth uh, so that there's no creaking and, and, and it should work uh, uh, properly at all times. Uh, it's a, is that a, that's a pretty intimate relationship, isn't it? I mean, uh, we're talking big spoon, little spoon, very intimate relationship. But not only that, he says they're fitly uh, joined. He, he, he goes further, he says, and compacted. So not only are, they, are we fitly joined and, and, and made to fit one another, but we're to be held together by unity, tight. We're to be tight with one another. This, what Paul is describing, is a very intimate relationship. That means, again, that if one part is not, if one member is not operating as it should, then the whole body suffers. Or if many members don't operate the way that they should. But Lester, um, sorry, but Lester, to use, to use an example, he's, but Lester is my friend, and, uh, but Brother Lester is quite literally twice my age. I am 41, and Brother Lester is 82. I have, I've noticed this week, um, well, thankfully it's gone this morning, but I noticed this week my my knee was kind of giving me a little, what, what is that? Why is it doing that? And every time, and so I started favoring my left. It's feeling better this morning, praise the Lord. Uh, but, but I think Brother Lester, would, he would gladly tell you and, and confirm for us that, you know, there's maybe sometimes in his life many parts that are not working together. And is that pleasant? Not pleasant. There was a time in his life when he got smashed by an 18-wheeler trying to go to a preaching meeting. Did, did all the parts work together after that? No. He was in bed for nine months. About bed in four months, yeah. Waiting for those parts to get back into order. Listen, every single part, even the smallest crystal in your ear is essential to your body. How much more to, or you are to this church? You must be a functional member. Uh, my third point, I got to keep going. Uh, how many of y'all love 1 Corinthians 13 and know what I'm talking about when I bring up 1 Corinthians 13? What is 1 Corinthians 13 called? The love chapter, yeah. Uh, uh, this, this chapter is maybe one of the most popular chapters and passages of Scripture in the world. And there's people, believers and non-believers alike, who will paper it on their walls and they'll uh, insert it into their wedding ceremonies and, and they'll, uh, they'll write it into cards to their loved ones and, 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 and they'll establish it as a, as a, a standard for the relationship they're, have, they're to have romantically with their loved one. Uh, they, we, we use this passage in so many ways, but most of those ways are misapplied, out of context. Uh, that's not to say that it's, it's not a great picture of what marriage should be about, what I'm saying is, is the context of this passage is that Paul is writing to a church about the life of the church in the church. And what he's saying is the third point is that all members are to do 
Everything that uh, members do and say should be rooted in love. Should be rooted in love. I I think if our, uh, I've been very blessed. We're, as a church, we're blessed. Uh, We don't have uh, acrimonious uh, business meetings. If we start having them, I'm going to start reading 1 Corinthians 13 before, okay? We have a very unified and loving spirit here. Um, But when you read 1 Corinthians 13, and especially 4 and 5, and this is all that we really have time to look at, think about these verses that you've read many, many times over. Think about how many times you've seen them on a wall or, 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 or put them in a note or in vows, and then put them in the context of church. Paul writes, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. He's talking about love. We'll just put that word in there. Love suffereth long and is kind. Uh, Love envieth not. Love uh, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Think about that in the context of church. That's to be our attitude as functional members of the, of the church. Everything we say and do should be motivated and rooted in love. When Brother Eric pours himself into Sunday school lessons, I think he does that out of love. He loves this church, and he's demonstrated that over uh, maybe a couple of decades, more than a couple of decades, uh, by his faithfulness and his giving of his time and his energy and his talents to this church. He does it out of love. I can't believe he'd do it for any other reason. I do this out of love for you and for our Lord. Sister Margaret, who just sang a beautiful song, did this out of love for her Savior. But Lester has given his life to ministry out of love. The Downs family right here, sorry to put y'all on the spot in the middle of a sermon. Uh, Y'all want to go to Africa because it's such a cool place to live, right? No. It's because of love. Everything we do and say should be rooted in love. In fact, love should be the one characteristic that prevails in our church. You know, it was love that motivated Christ, motivated the Father to send His only Son so that you and I could receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. So that you and I would have a message that is irresistible if people will just lay down all their preconceived notions about heaven and hell and all of this and just trust Jesus Christ. We have a a powerful message to share. And if you're here this morning and and you've never trusted Christ, let me tell you, it was love. It was love that moved God to send his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life so that you can have an eternal life with Jesus and nothing else. You don't have to even come to church and be a member. You don't have to uh, give uh, in the the offering. You don't have to uh, try to, uh, you know, spend all your time and and, uh, suffering for the work. No, you can just trust in Jesus Christ and he'll save your eternal soul and you'll receive eternal life. I think because of what he does for you, it will motivate you by your love for him now to be part of a church and that's biblical and to give and to pray and to study your Bible and to to give yourself and to be a functional member of a church. Uh, but, But you don't have to do all of those things. Let me tell you, that's love. 
that God would do that. Jesus said, he said in John 13, 35, by this, what's he talking about? What is the this? This shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Love should be the one characteristic that prevails in our church. And my last point or our conclusion really is that all members are to be functional members. If you're here this morning, coming, waiting to hear what you're going to have to, waiting to endure whatever Brother Darren's going to preach to you about, I just want to ask you, please make sure you've inserted yourself into this message, into this text. You're a member of this church, and you're essential. Uh, we don't get a lot of snow in, in Texas, which is demonstrated whenever we do. Everything shuts down. It's pretty pitiful. But have you ever looked at a, at a snowflake? I, I grew up in North Texas, which doesn't mean that I'm a Texas Yankee or anything like that. It just means I grew up in North Texas, okay? Um, go Rangers. Um, we would get snow about maybe, maybe twice as much as we get it here. And we get it here about once every two or three years, right? And then, but up there in North Texas, we would get it maybe once a year. A lot of times we'd just get ice. That sleet, that awful stuff that glazes all the roads and nobody can go anywhere. I remember when I was uh, 16 and uh, my, my high school band, we went on a band trip to Breckenridge, Colorado. And we got off the bus. It was morning. We had driven all through the night. 16 hours or something or more, and I got off the bus in Breckenridge, Colorado in the month of March, and there were these big, gorgeous snowflakes. You ever, I mean, that was the first time I saw a real, like, man, that's a snowflake right there. I mean, they, it looked like fingernails. That's probably not a very good description, but they look, they're huge, these huge uh, snowflakes. They're beautiful. They're, and and, and you, you know, each one is unique. There's no two snowflakes that are the same. They're uniquely crafted ice crystals. They're fragile. And they quickly melt if they you know, land on your hand or on your face. Yet, when those snowflakes work together, they are a force to be reckoned with. They can shut down a major city. They can create beautiful landscapes. They can cover trees and weigh them down so much that it tears the tree down, breaks the branches off of it. They can uh, decorate uh, calendars, pictures. (laughs) When snow is together, it does so many things. Places to play, ammunition for snowball fights. But all because snow will stick together. And so it is with us who follow Christ. Each of us, each of you and me, we've been uniquely gifted with the ability to contribute to the work of Christ at Northwest Baptist Church. Each and every one of you. 
We were never intended to exist in our ministry in isolation. We must work together. We must stick together. But to work together to become a great force for God and to advance and to the advance of his cause means that we must all function together. Why is this so important? Well, the stakes are kind of high. The Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks are in the World Series right now. Uh, the first game. Anybody watch the first game? Oh, what were, y'all missed it, man. <laughs> Garcia with that walk-off home run in the 11th. Man, that was beautiful. Last night, we're not going to talk about that, okay? <laughs> to the Rangers fan, the stakes seem so high. It's been over 40 years of their existence, and, and they've yet to have a World Series title under their belt. Man, this is our chance. And so every player and every manager and every ball boy and every person contributing to that effort better put their place, put their effort in and, and do their part because the stakes are high. It's just a game. That's a game. Those guys that we look up to and we love to watch them play and they're fun to watch and they're exciting. And, and we, we, you know, as, as boys, we imagine what, what it could be like to be a professional baseball player. But those guys play a game for a living. And I'm not saying their life doesn't mean anything, but their work that they do does not contribute much to eternity. Israel is in a war right now. They're facing a fearless and merciless foe. A foe that has friends even here in the States, shockingly enough. And there's a lot on the line. And of the Israeli uh, armed forces, they'll need every con- the contrib- contribution of every soldier and officer that they have, and not only that, but the cooperation of their citizens and also the support of their allies. They need every bit of help they can get. Innocent lives are on the line. And I'm not saying this is not important, but war will come and go. In fact, since 1948, this is Israel's seventh major war to be involved in. I don't know about your life. Maybe in your life, the stakes are high. Maybe you're facing financial crisis. Maybe you have a a serious illness. Maybe you're looking at the loss of a loved one. I, I don't know what the circumstances are, but the stakes may be high. But I just want to encourage you and give you a little perspective that everything that happens on this earth that has to do with stuff on this earth is temporary. And while you may suffer greatly physically through illness or cancer, uh, while you may suffer uh, financial ruin and, and all that comes with that, if you've trusted Christ, there's going to be a day where there's no more poverty, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. Amen. It's going to be joy and peace. But the reason why your functional membership is so essential is because Christ has given every church a mission. We call it the Great Commission. To go into all the world and for our church that begins here in Houston and to share the gospel. That the war to spread the gospel into every corner of the world is a matter of eternal consequence. 
the stakes are high. Your role is as important as any other person in this church. Amen. Be functional. Let's stand together.